0: It's Friday, January 12th. I'm Josh Rollerson with the Pennsylvania Environmental Council. Happy New Year and welcome to 2024 and a new season of the Pennsylvania Legacies podcast. Young people have been at the forefront of the environmental movement from the beginning. From the very first Earth Day rallies in the 70s to the climate activism of more recent years, the energy and idealism of youth have been important drivers of political and policy change. Kids, teens, and 20-somethings have also been active in less visible ways, working to make things better in their own backyards, neighborhoods, and communities. We're starting off the new year with the inspiring story of one such young person, a Pennsylvania teen with an idea that led to a first-of-its-kind advisory council at the Environmental Protection Agency, one comprised exclusively of youth. The new body, known as the National Environmental Youth Advisory Council, will offer recommendations to EPA Administrator Michael Regan on a broad range of environmental issues, with emphasis on how they affect communities under 29 years of age. My colleague Derek Maiolo spoke with the EPA's Senior Advisor for Environmental Education, Kim Noble, to learn more about the council and what makes it unique.
1: historic when you think about it it's the first ever federal advisory committee at the epa to really be exclusively occupied by young people when we say young people we're talking about all of the members are between between the ages of 16 to 29 and for the agency that's that's really important because you know we have federal advisory committees but this is the first time we've had one that's intentionally um, and exclusively occupied by youth Uh, We thought that it was important to have them bring this critical perspective um, on how these issues of climate change and environmental harms specifically affect youth communities.
2: What were some of the criteria or the considerations that went into selecting the council members?
1: Yeah, so (laughs) it was interesting we uh, issued a request for nominations to the council. It was over the summer and we received uh, well over a thousand applications over a two month period. Um, so that was when the application period was active and EPA selected a NEAC members from a pool of highly qualified candidates. And when I say highly qualified, I mean, you know, these youth are doing amazing things already. And so we looked at, did we have representation from a variety of interests, lived experience experiences partisan affiliations, uh, geographic locations also went into that, and whose backgrounds include extensive experience with EPA priority issues like climate change, which I've already mentioned, environmental justice is also a priority for us, conservation, air quality, clean water, agriculture, uh, food security, of course, workforce development. So the members represent all of EPA's 10 regions, and this also includes urban and rural tribal communities, and the hail from 13 states and including also the District of Columbia. I will say that another priority for us for this Federal Advisory Committee is that um, the agency is committed uh, to centering environmental justice communities. So at least 50% of the overall membership of the NEAC come from, reside in primarily, or do most of their work in a disadvantaged communities. So we looked at CEQs, the Center for Environmental Quality. I'm sorry, we do acronyms all the time. So. We
2: also have so many acronyms uh, in, in my line of work here. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> Good. okay, so you understand. Mm-hmm. But um, they have a tool called the SEGIS tool. It's climate and economic justice screening tool. It's part of the Justice 40 initiative. And so uh, the CGIS requirement was helping us to ensure that the geographic and uh, economic diversity on the NEAC was center and crucial.
2: Do you know if the council has uh, met yet or what the timeline will look like for meetings?
1: Ah, oh, good question. We are in the process <laughs> of um, you know, working with the committee to get their first meeting underway. So it'll be in early in 2024, so it's coming soon.
2: I was excited to get to talk with you specifically cuz as the senior advisor for environmental education, I imagine you have a pretty good uh, idea or, or um, you know, very much value youth perspectives. Could you just talk about how you see young people more broadly getting involved in environmental issues?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, I get a chance to meet with students and young people as well. Um, they reach out and come to headquarters in D.C., and they talk about a variety of issues. Um, that's one of the things I always ask them, you know, is what's going on in your neck of the woods, in your backyard, in your schools? And, um, you know, they they share a whole bunch of things from, you know, I'm concerned about rising sea levels. I'm concerned about displacement of animals. I'm concerned about the homeless population and how climate change is impacting them. So these are critical and crucial conversations as well. So like I said before, when I have conversations with students, you know, they talk about the issues that they're facing, but they also share solutions. They share, hey, you know, this is what is working in our community. We'd love to see and and show how this could possibly be scaled up. It makes sense for um, the administrator to put forward this this Youth Advisory Council because, you know, our youth, they're, they're the ones that are sounding the alarm. You know, they're the ones who are grabbing the attention of those in power. They're sparking those global conversations. We just had COP28 and youth were front and center. They're not only talking about the urgent issues that we face today because of climate change, but they're also talking about the kind of world that we fundamentally want to create. And I always say our young folks, they get it. You know, they bring that perspective about a more just and inclusive world. Uh, It's something that, you know, I think they understand inherently, but I believe it's the most important lesson that we can all learn. And, And it really is the essence and heart of the movement for climate action.
2: I was looking through the bios of all of the council members and it was just really inspiring Inspiring or just assuring to see how involved and motivated these young people are. I mean, the mm-hmm. the resumes already in these in these people, <laughs> uh, these council members is just astonishing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you saw it too. I, I you know, I felt the same way about the council, but also even those who applied more broadly. I mean, these these young folks are passionate. They care about the environment, and I think that is indicative of the number of applicants that we receive. <laughs> (laughs) you know uh, which you know lets us know that they want to be a part of the conversation they want to be a part of solutions and we just can't be talking about it we've got to
2: make sure that they're at the table thank you so much I really appreciate your time
1: oh it was a pleasure Derek Uh, wonderful chatting with you as well
0: Kim Noble is EPA's Senior Advisor for Environmental Education. Let's hear now from one of the people who devised the idea for the Advisory Council. Grace Ziegmont of York County is already an accomplished environmental leader at a young age. She's president of the Governor's Youth Council for Hunting, Fishing, and Conservation, a state project ambassador for Pennsylvania 4-H, a member of the student leadership team for the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, And she presented her idea for a federal youth advisory body for EPA last year at the White House. Did we mention she's only a high school junior? Here's Grace speaking with Derek Maiolo about how her love for the outdoors inspired a sense of stewardship and about what she's doing to empower the next generation of environmental and conservation leaders.
2: So we are here to talk about how you inspired the EPA's Youth Advisory Council. How did this all get started?
3: So I applied to go and got accepted to go to the National 4-H Conference in April of 2023. So what that is, is it's the biggest civic engagement event that people in 4-H can do. It's held in Washington, D.C. every April-ish, and they reach out to government agencies and just federally funded organizations, and they're like, hey, we have a bunch of kids. Do you have any issues that they could potentially try to solve? We worked with the Council of Environmental Quality Executive Office to the President, and their question to us, simplified version, is what can we do to work with younger generations to engage them in environmental justice issues with the Council of Environmental Quality, which is made up of a bunch of different organizations and different representatives. So we had about 24 hours to put this all together, so a bit of a time crunch. We ended up going with a couple solutions, but the one that I mainly worked on was the Youth Council, So that's kind of how it all came about. Simplified, not talking about the hours and hours of brainstorming over
2: text. Where did that idea come from? How did you arrive at the idea of a youth advisory council?
3: In 4-H, there's a lot of different youth leadership opportunities. Like I myself am a state project ambassador with Pennsylvania 4-H. So we were all thinking about the different leadership opportunities we have experience with, and we kind of took our favorite elements from the different things we all did and kind of mash them together into what would not only foster the best ideas, but would also increase diversity and increase the effectiveness of this council.
2: And so you said you had 24 hours to come up with this idea. Is that right?
3: Give or take. Yeah, was a quick time
2: well. crunch. Were you working in a team or were were you individually coming up with components of a plan? Or what did that look like?
3: A little bit of both. So there were 15 of us in the group, and we kind of split off into our three groups with our three separate ideas And in our groups, we kind of worked individually on like a single piece. With the council, I worked on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's something I'm very passionate about and I work a lot with in just different things in my life. So what I mainly did was working with how do we get marginalized voices to be heard in these situations? Because looking at federal politics, they're not usually lifted up and given the platform that they should be.
2: How do you think this Youth Advisory Council achieves or works towards some of your thinking about how DEI is important in environmental work?
3: We made a very big point with selection, especially. We proposed that it should be a council of 16, and we had different regions. So there'd be two members from each region. So along with just generally like northeast, southwest of the country, we had two representatives from. U.S. territories and two representatives from tribal communities so that these people who this is so ingrained in their culture and especially with the tribal communities one of the girls we were working with is Native American and she was talking about how this is so also important to her culture so having representatives from their communities would be very beneficial.
2: And so you gave this presentation what was the response?
3: It was really good. We didn't expect much of a response. We had talked to other people who have been to the conference before, and they're like, yeah, they're going to say that's a great idea, and then they're never going to reach out. So that's kind of what we went in expecting. But they were all very excited. They had different things they wanted to talk to us about, just marketing-wise for it. They had us work with them to do some marketing while we were there. And they have reached out a total of, I want to say four or five times since the conference. They all got us, they got us all involved in their newsletter. So that now we get like routine updates on what they're doing. It was way better than I would have expected.
2: How did it feel to be a part of those conversations and to present to this federal council? Were you nervous? What was going on? I was,
3: I was very nervous, for sure. I mean, it was kind of, it was really intimidating. We were a bunch of high schoolers. Most of us were like sophomore, junior, but these people have like decades of experience. And we're a bunch of high schoolers who think we know things. I was kind of terrified. I know I had statistics, which I am not good at math and I am not good with numbers. I don't know why I had statistics. But I messed up my statistics and I just kind of stood there for a couple of seconds and they didn't seem to care. So it it was very intimidating. But again, they were so nice about everything and they were so excited that we were there.
2: What do you hope are some of the things that the Youth Advisory Council can achieve?
3: My big hope going into it was that it can increase not only the council's knowledge of environmental issues, but also their community's involvement and interest in environmental issues. Because I know at least where I'm from, I'm from like the York area, northern York County. So these kids live in more urban areas and aren't necessarily exposed to the rural communities that I commonly work with in 4-H. And they don't have that interest in environmental issues because it just doesn't affect them, they don't think, because there's not a lot of trees. We live in a city. So just getting kids engaged in that, especially kids, because that's who's going to have to take over this after we're done with it getting kids engaged and getting kids to learn about this stuff is something I think is really important because a lot of places, especially lower economic areas, don't have access to the type of resources in general that um, more rural communities sometimes have.
2: Where do you see your role in some of the uh, like climate action that's going on or some of the larger environmental movements?
3: I would like to get more involved. It's just kind of a Barrier of what can I do? And I feel like that's what a lot of youth feel like. It's hard to get involved in stuff. It's such a small field if you're really looking at it. And there's not always a lot of people to reach out to and be like, hey, can I? Is there anything I can do here? So getting involved is, I feel, the big barrier. And I don't, I'm trying to be involved. I am a part of the Governor's Youth Council, so I feel like that's been a good foot in the door, and I really enjoy all the work we do. And I hope to get more of a foot in the door with the political side of it. That's something I'm very interested in. But I know I feel like, and a lot of other people I talk to feel like it's just a very hard thing to get into it. But once you're in, it's easier.
2: Tell me more about the Governor's Youth Council. How did you get involved?
3: I was asked if I would be interested in being president like a week ago,
2: and I'm still very excited about it all. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. What is the general mission or how would you describe the Governor's Youth Council?
3: Our whole thing is preserving the future of hunting and fishing for future generations. So like with just different issues that come up, we give a letter to the governor. We're like, hey, this is how we think you should handle this. This is our opinion on it. It's a lot of outreach from what I've seen. I've only been on the council for a couple months, but it's a lot of outreach and getting community involved. I know we're looking to do more community service stuff in the coming year.
2: What have you done as part of the council? What have been some of the initiatives?
3: Recently, we went up to Elk County and helped process the deer that were harvested. So that was like pulling teeth, taking the lymph nodes. Um, We cut a piece of the tongue off just to test for different diseases. And as someone who's really interested in white-tailed deer specifically, it was really neat to go see how they test this all. Um, I could go off and talk about chronic wasting disease for hours and hours and hours. So seeing how they test to prevent the spread of it, if it would be to get into elk, I thought was so cool.
2: In 4H, tell me what you what you do.
3: I do everything other than ag. i I'm from a very uh like urban-ish area. I'm from the middle of the suburbs. I am big into shooting sports. I do archery and air pistol, and I compete with both. And I've placed with both in the past year, which I'm excited about. My other pro- main project at the moment is wildlife, which is a two-ish, two, four-year project, depending on how you do it.
2: Like you said, you live in a more suburban urban area. What got you interested in environmental issues? Did you have a particular experience as a kid, like being outside or like, I'm also curious, maybe like what got you interested, especially in like shooting sports, because that to me is not something maybe you had easy access to where you live.
3: Yeah, just in general, I've always kind of been interested in the environment and just outside. I really like bugs. You can't see it, but behind you is my ball of entomology. It's huge. (laughs) A lot of bugs. I've just always been interested in the environment. But shooting sports, my mom did archery in high school and saw that a homeschool organization she's part of had a club in York. And she's like, hey, you're going to do this. So I was like nine or ten. And I was like, okay. I've never been a big sports person. I doubt I ever will be a big sports person. So I wasn't very excited about it, but I got into it. I loved it. I spent hours in the backyard with my bow. I would beg to go out there. I I love shooting. And now I teach archery at a summer camp.
2: Do you feel that shooting sports has given you more of an appreciation for the outdoors or for some of your interests in the outdoors?
3: It's really what got me into environmental education, which is another thing I really enjoy. I was a counselor in training at a Girl Scout camp in Halifax. And I was like, hey, can I come just sit on the range, watch how you do this? And they're like, sure, come on down. So I went down. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is an actual thing you can do. You can teach kids to use the bow. And it's really fun. And you can look at birds while you do it, too. And be like, that's that bird while you can't shoot. That's why you can't shoot, because there's a really cool bird on the range. Then the next summer, I came, so this past summer, I came back and I got to teach a couple times, just different workshops on archery. And I loved it. I spent hours and hours and hours down there setting up the range, sharing down the range, working with kids on the range and seeing them be like, I hit this tree. What tree did I hit? So using that opportunity, like, yeah, and this has an impact on forest health and forest health has an impact on these birds you like to see. And just showing them like the domino effect of this is more than just shooting at a target.
2: You mentioned being particularly passionate about environmental education. Why do you think this is important?
3: At least where I live, it's not very taught in schools. And a lot of kids don't know about just general environmental knowledge that I thought was common sense until I just start working with these kids. I'm like, like, there's a lot that they don't know. Like, why are the leaves green? I don't know. Let's look more into it. Why is biodiversity so important? I don't know. Let's look more into it. So just getting them to ask these questions, teaching them to look more critically at different interests they have and different problems that may arise in their life.
2: How do you think youth perspectives can benefit environmental action more broadly?
3: My main reason that I think it's important is a lot of the decisions being made at the moment are going to impact especially youth, for a long time. Like, you're making a decision that, yes, it'll impact us now, but 20, 30 years down the line is when it's really going to start affecting us. And there might be, like, an aftermath that youth are going to have to deal with because in 20 to 30 years, we're who's going to be in charge of everything and working with everything. So getting our perspective now is really important, in my opinion, because we're going to be stuck with it, especially with kids. There's just a lot of different opinions and a lot of new ideas that are really creative,
2: why not get a head start on it? Are you involved with in any other environmental work or projects at the moment?
3: So my big one at the moment is Governor's Youth Council. I'm a state project ambassador with Pennsylvania 4-H under the environmental science, shooting, sports, and camping umbrella. Um, I'm on my second term for that. So my first term was 2022 to 2023, and my second term is 2023 to 2024. I was a student at Wildlife Leadership Academy in 2022, and I had 886 hours of outreach over nine months, which was a lot. And I went back this past summer as a youth mentor and helped a group of five girls get the top team award, which is really exciting for me. And I am on the student leadership team with the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. So I do a lot.
2: Wow. You are very involved, obviously, in environmental work. What drives your interest?
3: I think just in general, like I love being outside. I get as much time as I possibly can out in the woods, looking at bugs, looking at the different trees, the birds. I'm really big into birds I actually went to a bird camp this past summer just being outside and well there's a lot of issues outside it's unavoidable so just getting to the root cause of well this is something I enjoy but these things are all affecting it negatively and how can we combat that
2: yeah are there any particular issues that interest you or that you have been involved with in your local area
3: climate change i mean it's what got me interested in environmental issues it's just kind of like what sparked that i think it was like mentioned in some girl scout something i was like that's a thing and that kind of spiraled that's what got me into environmental issues in general
2: oh interesting can you it's something i'm interested in yeah can can you tell me more about how that came about
3: i don't remember the specifics but i know there was like a badge or something that we were doing where we just had to like read and like give a little presentation to our uh, troop about environmental issues and climate change. And I was like, wow, this is a thing? Like, where did this come from? Why is this an issue that we have to deal with? And then it just kind of spiraled into, oh, there's a lot of issues.
2: You had mentioned that you were homeschooled, correct? Yes. As a homeschooler, what has environmental education looked like for you? Or how has environmental education been incorporated into your own schooling?
3: Um, my mom was an earth, a high school earth science teacher when I was born and until I was like three, so she has a lot of background. This is kind of what she went to college for. So I had a lot of access to that really early on. A lot of my family hunts and is just also involved in like outdoor stuff. So it's kind of just always something I've been surrounded by. So even just like out of school setting, like, hey, do you want to go down to the park and go look at birds? So it's always just something that has been brought up and has been mentioned. And Messiah College is sort of close to me. And they have a program where they have like a homeschool day where you can come down. and They have a bunch of different classes. And I did those growing up, which I really enjoyed just getting to do all the different stuff, like the creek stomps and the dissections and all that. It was always really fun.
2: It seems like a lot of lessons that you've learned And a lot of your schooling has come from being outside and observing the natural world. What advice would you give for other people who maybe aren't learning as much about the environment in school or in their own lives, but how can they learn about the outdoors?
3: Ask questions. I mean, that's a really big thing. Like you see these things and you might not think twice about like, oh, why does why does that bird fly like that? Like that doesn't look like this other bird that's flying. And just go deeper into that. There is a reason somewhere out there. There's always something that you can ask a question about and something else you can learn from it.
2: How do you feel about some of the youth climate movements or some of the youth environmental movements? Are you inspired by those? What are your thoughts?
3: I'm definitely very inspired. I think it's great that youth are taking the initiative and saying, hey, this is going to affect us. This affects us actively now too and will affect us in the future as well we deserve a say in it because there's more to life than a bunch of rich old men sitting around a table. So I think it's great, especially marginalized communities, because a lot of youth that are getting engaged in just different climate issues and just environmental issues in general at this age, this day and age is a lot more diverse than past generations, which I think is great.
2: Especially like when I interviewing someone still in in high school, like how do you feel about the state of the environment and uh, climate action? Are are you optimistic?
3: I'm optimistic with the potential of what could be done. There's a lot of ideas being thrown around at the moment that I think could be really beneficial. But how things are now is kind of terrifying. Like I was talking to someone at this conference. And it's Yeah, I have to like, keep my keep my distance from like social media and all that when it comes to environmental issues. Because it's really scary what's going on and like there's a lot of doom and gloom to it it's all very dark it's very well if we don't act now like nothing's going to happen and it's all going to go downhill which is true but i feel that it's a very depressing place to be at times just the different issues that are going on and lack of solutions at times but i i have optimism that things that are being said can change that i feel like there are good solutions being discussed
2: how mm, do you feel I, that like the like the, the, the your friends or the other people that you've worked with uh, on the either the governor's council or in 4H? Are you optimistic about how like, involved they are? or
3: Definitely. I I was actually reading a book recently about youth leadership, and it was talking about how so many youth are unmotivated and don't want to do anything, and they don't they have all these. Issues that they talk about, but they don't want to solve it. But I found in my life that a lot of kids are very interested in solving it. We just don't have opportunities to do so, and I'm super glad that I have found these opportunities and been given these opportunities. But a lot of youth are very motivated to solve these problems. Yes, we point them out, but we also have solutions, believe it or not.
2: What is next for you? Uh, Are you? You said that you're a junior. Are you looking at colleges? Do you have a particular area of interest?
3: Yeah, I want to go to college for wildlife science, something along those lines. I really like um, Penn State Dubois's wildlife technology program. I did a tour with Wildlife Leadership Academy last year, and I love the campus. I love the program. I like a lot of the professors. So I'm hoping to go there to do that.
2: What advice do you have for other people, whatever their age, who want to get involved in some kind of environmental work?
3: I know for youth specifically, there's a lot of opportunities if you're willing to look for them. I know applications take a lot of work and can be kind of annoying sometimes, but just sending them, you don't know where that would take you. I sent this application in and it got me to presenting in the White House, which I could have never thought would be an option to me. So just looking for the different opportunities, even if they seem like way out of your reach, it never hurts to apply. The worst that's going to happen is you don't get accepted and your life goes about how it is. Or you could get accepted and it could like completely change your career path for all you know. Like it could change anything.
0: For more on EPA's National Environmental Youth Advisory Council, check out epa.gov N-E-Y-A-C. Or you can just find the link in the show notes for this episode on PECPA.org, the website for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, where you can learn all about our work toward a cleaner, healthier environment and stream all past episodes of the podcast. Again, you'll find that at PECPA.org. We hope you're a subscriber. If not, you can become one through your podcast platform of choice. We're on pretty much all of them. Spotify, Apple, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Most places that provide podcasts will allow you to subscribe. We'd be grateful for your subscription and even more for your support in the form of a rating and review. It does help others find the show and supports PEC's work on behalf of Pennsylvania's environment. We'll be back with a new episode later this month. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council and Derek Maiolo, I'm Josh Rollerson, and Thanks for listening.